Today, uh, we're coming to the end of Jesus' high priestly prayer. Um, so we're finishing up John chapter 17. And, uh, and in this, we are seeing uh, just Jesus' heart and what he's praying to the Father about just before he's about to go to the cross. Um, the words that we have here is, is what John records as the last of Jesus' prayer before going to the cross. So this it's kind of like that last communication um, as, uh, as John has recorded it um, here. And normally I don't uh, make a point of telling you the title of my sermons, uh, primarily because usually they're not that good and they don't help. Uh, but uh, I thought sharing today's uh, sermon title might be helpful to help us kind of set the stage for what we're seeing in this passage. And the title of today's message is The Unknown Made Known for All of Eternity. The Unknown Made Known for All of Eternity. And so with that, let's jump in to John 17, starting in verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. And so, the first thing we see here is Jesus is talking about making the unknown known so that we can be with him in his glory. Did you see that? Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. Do you ever long for that? Do you ever just want to be with him where he is? And, um, and for the Christian we should be greatly encouraged that Jesus' plan is for his people to be with him in glory. And what does this mean? Well, last week we kind of, we dug in a deeper to some passages on the glory of Jesus and what that looks like and everything. Um, but I want to look at a few more passages today uh, to kind of unpack, unpack Jesus' glory. John uh, started his book, which we, we covered this, what, probably about two years ago now. Um, but in John chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 14, um, John says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So John's saying, hey, Jesus came, and we got to experience his glory. We got to see him. We got to touch him. We got to hang out with him. Um, we got to, you know, be right there with him, and we know there is something different about this guy. He has the glory that comes from being the only begotten son of the Father. And that glory is something that we can know and experience today. But when we look at, at some other passages in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, um, it says this. Verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. 
Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So what Paul is saying here is, right now, I kind of can see his glory. Like, it's kind of like a really dirty mirror, and I can kind of make it out, but it's there. But man, then when I get to be with him in his presence, when I get to be in his glory, then it's going to be a totally different thing. Then I, I will know it fully. That's something that, that Paul is looking forward to, something that is to come. In another verse, if we can put this all together, um, is 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. It says this, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So John's saying, it's like, hey, there's a time coming when Jesus comes back, when we get to see him and we'll become like him and we get to see him as he really is. And so there's this aspect of his glory that maybe we can't fully experience just yet. That that's something that is to come. And I want to ask you, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, what is it that you're looking forward to about heaven? Maybe it's the, you know, no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, all of that taken away. Like, that sounds pretty good, right? Um, I don't know. What, what is it for you? Well, before we dig deeper into that, I just want to do a little illustration for you. So have you ever heard of something that you're like, oh, yeah, okay, that sounds good. And then you got to experience it, and it was just that much better? Have you ever, ever had an experience like that? One for me was um, when I was moving up here to Canada seven years ago, uh, we we flew uh, Brittany and Rowan to Seattle from where we lived in Alabama. And then I drove to Seattle with our vehicles and picked them up and came across. Um, so it was me and our two dogs doing a cross-continent trip. Um, and so what I did was uh, the dogs obviously need bathroom breaks, right? Um, so I just stopped at like national parks, major monuments, things like that to let my dogs go to the bathroom. So um, my dogs officially urinated at uh, Mount Rushmore. Um, but, uh, but anyway, one of the stops along the way, I'd always heard about the Badlands in South Dakota, but I was just kind of like, okay, whatever. Well, once you drive through South Dakota, which is flat and boring for about eight hours, um, and there is nothing, you come to a sign, well, actually you pass about a million signs for wall drug, um, uh, and it has countdowns on the miles till you get to wall drug, um, all the way from one end of South Dakota to the other, um, and wall drug was not that impressive, um, but uh, anyway, they, they advertise for it well, um, but you come along and you drive it through boringness for forever, and then there's this sign that's like, exit here for the Badlands, I was like, well, dogs, here's a good, good break for you, let's go see what this is. And I pull off and I go into this park and, uh, and it's just breathtaking. Um, just these natural formations um, that have worn over time. And it's, uh, yeah, it's just a really cool thing. And see, even right now with me trying to, ex to ex describe it to you, you're all like, 
This doesn't sound that impressive. Um, but when you're there and you're in the middle of it, it's just like takes your breath away kind of thing. Um, and, and I was telling Brittany about it. She's like, okay, yeah, that's great. Um, and so when we, this summer, when we did our road trip uh, back across the states in the RV, um, we made sure that was one of our stops. And then Brittany was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. I can't believe this, this is the best place ever. Um, and... Uh, See, Brittany's a lot more excited than I am. Uh, was, was that an accurate representation? I mean, you could play me in the movie. Okay, yeah. So, uh, I, I'm your stunt double. Um, but anyway, uh, and so it's one of those things that until you experience it, you're kind of like, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Then you experience it, and you're like, wow. I think that's what it's like with Jesus' glory. We can hear about it, we can talk about it, we can read about it. But until we experience it, it's kind of foreign to us. But when you experience it, you're like, wow. And I want to tell you that what of his glory we can experience here and now is but a glimpse, it's but a dirty mirror of what it's going to be then. So now back to my question to you about what are you looking forward to in heaven? I want to ask you this. Does your view of heaven change with whether or not Jesus is there? Right? Does your view of heaven change with whether or not Jesus is there? Because you see, sometimes we can, you know, we can read verses like in Matthew 6, uh, where Jesus is, uh, talking about don't store up treasures for yourself on earth, but store up treasures in heaven. And we think, oh, well, heaven's like, you know, like our eternal RRSP, right? And we just, we just got to make some deposits, um, and then we can kind of, you know, get a nice nest egg for ourselves once we get to that eternal place. Um, so, yeah, I need to check that box off. So maybe like, I, well, I, you know, I got food for a homeless guy. Um, so that, you know, that's... That's probably worth something, maybe like a foosball table in, in my room that Jesus is preparing for me. Or, um, you know, I, oh, I gave some money to missions. I mean, that might be worth like an expansion um, room on the side of, of, of my, my shindig um, that I'm, I'm building up there. Or, uh, you know, oh, I shared the gospel with somebody and they, they believed. Um, so, I mean, what is that? That's at least like an in-ground pool or something for, for my spot. Um, and uh, and we, can, we can start thinking about heaven that way. But in reality, we're missing a lot of it when our mind goes to that place and our mind misses the fact that we get to be in the presence of Jesus in his glory. The fact that that is where Jesus is, that's what's so great about it. I'm sure the rest of it's going to be beyond what we can imagine too, but that is what's so amazing about it. And that's what Jesus is praying for here. He's like, hey, I want my people to be with me in my glory. Father, here's the plan. I'm about to go to the cross. I'm about to lay down my life on the cross for them. You know why I'm doing that? So they can be in my glory with me. In the glory that you have given me from before the foundation of the world. And that's the best part. And that's the part we can't even fully understand. I mean, growing up, if somebody told me, hey, let's go vacation in South Dakota, I'd be like, why? Here it's boring and flat. Now I'm like, hey, yeah, that's an awesome place to go now that I've experienced it. 
when we get to heaven, it's just going to be like, whoa, this is so much better than what I imagined. Going on in verse 25, Jesus prays this. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. And so Jesus here, he's, he's saying, hey, what I've done is I've made the unknown known. That thing that they can't experience, they can't fully experience the glory of God. Why? Because how did he describe the Father? Righteous. He said, oh, righteous Father. You see, God is righteous. That means he is perfect. He is holy. He's without blemish. He can't be in the mix of our mess. He can't even be in the presence of our sin because if he were here, we would all die. That's how perfect his righteousness is and how corrupt our sin is. And to have a direct interaction with him would mean death for us. But Jesus says, hey, what I've done, I've come and I've taken your righteousness, your holiness, your perfection, and I've made it known to them. Now they can see you. They can see you through me. They can understand your glory. They can understand your righteousness. It might be a little bit of a foggy mirror, but they can see it. I made a way for them to see it, and they can see it through me. And Jesus has made the unknown known because we are guilty, we are sinners, he is perfect, and it's through his sacrificial death for us that we can be made clean, that we can be made right with him. And now, when I started this message, we talked about how we, we wish we could kind of just be there with him, and we long for that. But we miss out on the last part that he prays for here when we think that way. He says that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. You see, Jesus' last thing he prays in, that John records that he prays before going to the cross is the fact that he's going to be with us. He doesn't leave us alone. Yes, he does that through sending the Holy Spirit. We know that. We know that it's through his Holy Spirit that comes and is with us. But even that terminology with us really isn't the right terminology. You see, it's not that just that Jesus is with us. It's that Jesus is in us. And when you're not a believer, when you're not a Christian, that sounds incredibly weird and creepy. <laughs> but here's the thing. We have the one whom we love. The one who laid down his life through the power of the Holy Spirit is within us. And so if we're longing for that day when we get to be in his presence, maybe we just need to change our focus to look within and say, Jesus, where are you right now? Because his promise and his prayer here is that he is going to be with us, in us. And maybe you don't feel him with you, in you right now. Maybe there's some hurt blockages in that relationship. Maybe there's something getting in the way. Maybe there's something that's fogging up that mirror a little bit more. I don't know. But I want to encourage you that if you're a follower of Christ, if you know him as your Lord and Savior, then he is in you. He's there. And you can listen to him. You can walk with him. He can guide you. 
He can show you more of himself. But Jesus is saying here, he's like, hey, these, they're mine. And I'm not hanging them out to dry. I'm not leaving them all on their own. I'm going to be in them. I'm going to be with them. So be encouraged with that. Be strengthened. Be filled today by his spirit that he is here with us. Does anyone remember a few weeks back when we started John 17, what I said was the key to understanding John 17 with all of the the deep theology that we see here? It's the fact that Jesus loves his disciples and he cares about them deeply. And so through this whole chapter where it's so rich with so much theology, so much depth that we see in this prayer between Jesus and the Father, ultimately what undergirds it all and what, what holds it all up is the fact that Jesus loves us. He loves us and he cares about us. He says it here again at the end, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them. Jesus' concern is that the Father's love be in us, that we receive the Father's love, that we get that. And so I want to encourage you today with this. Jesus loves you.